Here's a $10 bill. Um, Israel didn't function with paper money. Israel had a different kind of economy. Different from ours, but, you know, not so different. We need to keep that in mind as we're going to go right into Proverbs tonight because Proverbs is the application of the Ten Commandments. You have hundreds of little fine points of truth that put shoes on the larger directives, commands of the Ten Commandments. God gave to Israel an economy, an economic system. In many ways, not unlike their neighbors, there was money. Oh, they started out in bartering in ancient times. You know, I'll listen, I've got 20 pounds of barley grain, and I, how about a couple of a head of cattle? Would, is, would that be a fair exchange, things like that, bartering? Some of that still goes on. And then uh, metal, you know, copper, gold, silver begin to be used. It was a little more simple than trying to carry all of your goods around to uh, do bartering. Israel did have um, a money exchange that they used in their purchases. We find this early on in the scriptures. We know Abraham, he he purchased a piece of property so that he, for the burial place for Sarah. We find Jeremiah investing by purchasing some real estate, real estate transaction, money involved. But Israel did have a unique situation in terms of property. God was the one who owned all the property. And he gave some very specific directions as to how it was to be handled. And it was to be apportioned, it was, to the various tribes and to clans. And there was responsibility of each family to work their property. It was an agrarian society. You you plowed the fields, you planted, you harvested. And with those directions that the Lord gave to Israel, and many of them, through you read through the book of Exodus and Deuteronomy, what... What were the uh, instructions for handling their properties? There was such a thing as the seven-year sabbatical year, which um, Israel completely ignored, um, where the land was to lie fallow, and you go a year and you don't plant. Well, every seventh day you didn't work. Would that present some special challenges with regard to money and trust in the Lord and dependency on him? You better believe it. The 50th year, the year of Jubilee, where if your family had lost its property through perhaps, well, maybe no fault of one's own, but to have uh, put it up for collateral and then lost it and then debts would be have been remitted and land would have returned back to the original property owners <clears throat> because it was ultimately God's property. We could go on and on in the uh, with regard to Israel's uh, economic life and the specifics. But we don't need to do much ranging around through the Old Testament. We'll just take Proverbs. And I'm going to jump right into it. And I went through Proverbs and I pulled together what I saw as many of the references that I could identify. 
and then organize them, and I'm going to give you the result of that under these seven. Seven's a good number. It just worked out that way. And to, to show you what God's wisdom for Israel and for his people at any time, what is his wisdom with regard to money? First of all, number one, wisdom is better than money. We'll start there. That's where Proverbs starts. Proverbs chapter 3 and verses 13 through 15. How blessed is the man who finds wisdom, the man who gains understanding. His profit is better than the profit of silver and its gain than fine gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire compares with her. That's enough to get the point with that whatever Whatever value you place upon jewels and rubies and diamonds and emeralds and sapphires and all the rest and all the gold and all the silver. And don't forget, Solomon wrote most of these proverbs, the wealthiest man, maybe one of the wealthiest men who ever lived. And so he said, and in Proverbs 8 and verses 10 and 11, take my instruction instead of silver, knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels, it's more precious than rubies is the New American Standard, and says, and nothing you desire compares with her. Proverbs 16, 16, how much better to get wisdom than gold, to choose understanding rather than silver. Would you like it again? Sometimes you do get the echo effect in Proverbs. Proverbs 22, 1. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. To favor is better than silver or gold. So wisdom provides the divine strategy for the use of money. Lord, what have you told us as what are the skills necessary, the life skills for handling the possessions that you put in my hands. Now, I'm going to be using the word money, but I'm not just referring to this green stuff. This includes all the possessions that we have, as I think you'll see as we go along, everything from the house and the automobile to appliances and whatever personal wealth. It may be maybe furniture. It could be uh, antiques. It can be collections, if you have hobbies, and on and on. But let me say something briefly about the symptoms of placing money before wisdom. And I do the negative first. What would be some of the symptoms that would be a giveaway that wisdom is not taking the priority? I'll give you three. First of all, the willingness, the willingness to do so at the expense of others. That is, money comes before people. And people get the short end of the stick. Determining your success by what you have. If you still fight that, some people can carry that into old age easily. Where what one has... Maybe the make of automobile or where you live or the kind of clothes you wear, the stores you frequent and such. 
And thirdly, when you allow work and time to crowd out, crowd out the word and time. When church becomes more of an option because of the pursuit of personal wealth. Those would be some of the indications. So what you are is far more important than what you have or you don't have. You know, so much of Proverbs is written and directed to young people. Uh, It's good that we're here tonight. Most of us are probably over 30. Oh, the young people do need to be saturated in their thinking with regard to what Proverbs says. Money as they set their directions and learn their values. The pursuit of godliness is must precondition making money. Wisdom is both the way I think and the way I live. So therefore, what God wants from me is that, Lord, and I think we should pray this prayer. Lord, I want your thoughts. I want what you value, what you treasure. I want that more than anything else. And if you get that set straight at the beginning of life, get that fixed as a teenager and in your early 20s, it's going to save you from a lot of heartaches. Wisdom, the pursuit of God, knowing what God wants and seeking to do it and to please him, getting your priorities straight. All right, with that flag on the hill, let's go to the next. Use your money to honor God. Use your money to honor God. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 9. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. That, of course, is a reminder of one of the economic principles in Israel was the tithe. We won't go into that here tonight. I'm sure this will come up in the next two sessions. Justin and, and Frank will be teaching. But God did give to Israel a system of tithing or taxation, actually. And it was more than just 10%. That every third year, the accumulative effect of the tithe was up around 22%. You don't often hear that when people are laying claim to the tithe as the standard for the church. That the tithe was to bring that taxation, one-tenth of what you possess, and it was to be given to the Lord. Proverbs 10, 15, and 16. The rich man's wealth is his fortress or his strong city. Poverty, the poverty of the poor is their ruin. The wages of the righteous lead to life. The gain of the wicked to sin. God has put in your possession. He's given you, everyone here, he's given you a certain skill set. He's given you abilities, the way your mind works, the way you work with your hands. God has already prepared you in the womb of your mother. He prepared you for the kind of Job, skills, therefore income, that will be at your doorstep. Some choose professions that are not promising a lot of uh, uh, financial prosperity, at least initially. Some make that choice and it doesn't bother them. I, I know people who really don't care all that much about money at all. I'm not saying that's necessarily the spiritual, the more spiritual than caring about money. 
but they just are more filled with the joy. They're filled with the joy. I, listen, I love what I'm doing. And I've heard some say, and I wouldn't tell a lot of people, I'd do this even if I didn't get paid. <laughs> that there are some who are like that. And they have, that's really a nice arrangement. But God's wired you, made you. Some of you have business skills. You have communication skills. Um, the gift set goes on. And so, therefore, God has given to each of us by way of how he's wired us, made us, created us to be a certain kind of manager of the funds that we have. God owns everything, and he's put these things in my possession. Poverty, honoring God, some don't make a lot of money. Now, poverty is a, that's a, that has a lot of variables to it. Uh, I, uh, some of us can like to talk about things the way they were at one time if we came up on Lean Street and others didn't come up on Lean Street. I like to throw a few things by the grandkids and tell them the way it was once upon a time. But there is no value in and of itself in poverty. However, limited income is going to shape and the, going to give you special temptations and special challenges. Just as money can provide certain necessities of life as well as the means of helping others. So money is not an evil thing. God doesn't, in Proverbs, it's, it's a commodity that's to be used to honor him. Actually, money, you, you can honor the Lord with money. There are, th- there are three, three portals here that uh, will help to understand how this can function in our lives. First of all, money is the opportunity to learn dependence on the Lord or the lack thereof. How can I depend upon him? Um, Justin will, I'm, I have a note here on this, and I'm looking at something in Matthew, but I'm, I'm not going to go there. That's your thunder. And, but it can teach us dependency. Money can also be the proof of our love. How much do I love the Lord? You say, put your money where your mouth is. That will tell us we can feel good about Jesus and, and have the warm fuzzies about God. But how, if we want to show our love for the Lord, one significant way would be money. How, how does it flow? What do we do with it? And then that uh, we can uh, we can honor him for who he is with money by giving and generosity. So therefore, we are to use our money to honor God. It's an index of our character. All right, these first two principles establish the groundwork now for the next uh, five. So let's go on with those. Number three. Money must be acquired in the right way. A proverb says that there's a right way to do it, and that would be work plus wisdom. Proverbs 28, 16. He who hates unjust gain will prolong his days. So there is money earned in the, remember the old commercial, the earning money, the old-fashioned way, <laughs> that... Earn money by work and by wisdom. There is the wrong way. And Proverbs has some significant things to say about bringing in money the wrong way. 
For example, the wrong way would be Proverbs 20 and verse 17. Bread gained by deceit is sweet to a man, but afterward his mouth will be full or filled with gravel. So dishonesty is the wrong way to get money. I can remember, this has been many years ago, uh, decades ago, I remember a young man came, somebody had recommended him to, um, they heard there was a pastor over there at this church who tried to help people with the Bible and counsel, so he came to see me, and he was having some, really, some some financial problems, and he worked in this business, well, he, he was... Uh, I don't remember that he was a butcher, but he handled meat. And um, I think it was a wholesale situation. And um, he was finally, he was, he professed Christ. He was, but he was troubled because he had been doing something. He, dishonestly, he could take meat home without paying for it. I mean, he had worked out a system where he could do that dishonestly. And he was struggling with what he ought to do about that. Well, you're probably thinking, well, is there a struggle to that? Well, yes, but understand that it could have cost him his job. So, but what should he do? Well, we both agreed as we came, we looked at the scriptures and talked about it, that he needed to go and confess his sin and tell his employer. And he did. He went to his employer and told him, but the, you know what the employee's employer told him? He said, I knew you were doing it, and I wanted to see what you were going to do about it. And he kept his job because of that, that honesty, but he had been indulging in dishonesty. But there's another way in money, which money is brought in the wrong way, and that is bribery. Proverbs fifteen twenty seven: whoever is greedy for unjust gain brings trouble to his household, but he who hates bribes will live. Question, do you have your price? Now, I think probably most the more seasoned among us, maybe you've worked through that, but, you know, when you're coming along and you're young uh, and times could be lean or lean and you, you're wondering how to pay bills, bribery. Someone is wanting to give you money to get something. Do you have your price? Does the offer of more money cause you to compromise? You don't have to go very far in, in the life of our local economy to find this one all over the place. seems there's even been an epidemic in some places of those in Judges and law enforcement, that's really bad when law enforcement and the judicial system gets corrupted by bribery. God had very strict directions for that in the Old Testament. Because when the judiciary begins to crumble and susceptible, their judges are susceptible to bribes, everything falls down. Are you willing to go anywhere and take anything, any kind of job, just for money? That can be a form of... When, I wouldn't call it directly bribery, but some people can be so set on money that they're willing to surrender a lot of other things in order to get more financial security. Proverbs 16 and verse 8, 
better a little with righteousness than great revenues with injustice. So do I do the just thing, the right thing with my money? What do you, what about your taxes? Are you honest on your, in your handling your taxes? Do you make sure if someone handles them for you that uh, the right thing is being done? You know, there is, there is this below-the-radar screen means of making money when people take cash and don't report it to the IRS. A new man like that once, he was a neighbor, and he had a skill. He worked for, uh, uh, he worked for a uh, automotive company, and he was in the paint shop, and he knew his business, and he set up a business on his own, and he was good at it. Worked in cash. Oh my! I don't know whatever came of that. It, uh, I know that he he made money. Proverbs twenty two sixteen: He who oppresses the poor to increase his wealth, and he who gives gifts to the rich, both come to poverty. Proverbs twenty eight twenty four: He who robs his father or mother and says, "That's no transgression." He is a companion to him who destroys, robs his father and mother. Well, I'm going to leave the Corban principle up to Justin to handle that one in Matthew, where actually the Pharisees had a system worked out where you could declare your money uh, dedicated and you couldn't touch it, and so you didn't have to give it to your parents. You know, this is the time to pause and think about the danger of, of family debts and Unpaid, we're thinking of parents here. Have you borrowed money from your parents or from a love, from any one in the family and not paid those back? That's a little special, touchy area. I've heard the wisdom, I know the wisdom, that when someone in your family comes and asks for money, that you maybe ought to consider it as a gift and not a loan. I can't make a moral absolute. Uh, there would be times when you would do a loan, but I will tell you there are great risks in loaning money in families. It can be done. It can be, but uh, be ready for the challenges that can come with it. So stealing is essentially what that wrong way would be of making money. You can't buy meaningful relationships, and you can certainly damage relationships so stealing, bribery, injustice. Number four, money brings with it its potential problems. It does. Let's, uh, con- let's consider some. First of all, money can bring you into connect- contact with the wrong kind of people. Proverbs 1 13 through 19. Watch out. Watch out about those with whom you spend time. We shall find. He, here is, he's just saying at this point in Proverbs, watch out for bad company, my son. Be careful who you pick to run with and spend a lot of time with. We shall find all kinds of precious wealth. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Throw in your lot with us. We shall all have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your feet from their path, 
for their feet run to evil and they hasten to shed blood. You had better be careful. Indeed, it's useless to spread the net in the eyes of a bird, but they lie in wait for their own blood. They ambush their own lives. So are the ways of everyone who gains by violence. It takes away the life of its possessors. So the wrong kind of people. Proverbs sixteen nineteen, Better to be lowly in spirit and among the oppressed than to share plunder with the proud. Oh, I would say this especially to young people. Be careful. If you are attracted to certain people who have money so that you can use them and poor mouth around them, sandbag yourself. Um, Just let on like you need. There are people who know how to work that way in relationships. It's not acceptable. And when you begin to choose people to become uh, good friends just on the basis of what they're, that they're useful financially, you're in trouble. One thing that it will do is that you may easily then pick up their values, what they determine is important, their priorities. Beware, therefore, of business partnerships and ventures with money with those whose God is money. That can get you into some hot water. I remember a man came to me once, it's been some years ago, there was an opportunity to go in business with this man. And it looked like it could promise some, uh, this man had some, he had some, some skills, he had some gifts, and so therefore the business connection on the surface of it promised some prosperity, some good income. But on closer examination and considering the character of this person, Oh, this was going to be putting him into compromising situations, ways to function in or attempting to use a business and misrepresenting your product, uh, all kinds of bad consequences. So the wrong kind of people can be corrupting. Pride and self-satisfaction is a, is a potential problem. Proverbs 28.11, a rich man may be wise in his own eyes, but a poor man who has discernment sees through him. In other words, if you're full of yourself, you are self-possessed, that you are number one. Your satisfaction, your pleasure, achievement of your goals, if that takes precedence over everything else, God's not in the picture. He's not the center of your thoughts and your judgments and your discernment. Proverbs 30 and verse 8 and 9. I have too much and disown. I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? You remember that warning? If you have too much or if you don't have enough, if you don't have enough, then you could be tempted to steal. But if you have a lot, then you can easily fall into that uh, anesthesia that comes that money can inflict upon you. Well, I'm, I'm okay. I'm good. I've got uh, whatever I need. If I, my car breaks down, I can go out and buy another one just like that. Now, some people can live that way. I don't, uh, um, I don't identify with that. But, you know, people have money that whatever they want to get, they can get, and it's not a problem. 
So where goes the sense of, Lord, I need you. I need your wisdom. I need your good judgment. Now, this isn't to say that you stay on the lean, that you stay poor so you can learn dependence. But I will tell you this, that money brings with it a temptation to pride and self-sufficiency. And if you've got money that is accessible, and and I'm not saying that's wrong to have money that's accessible. Maybe you have a windfall. Maybe you have money from family that comes to you. Um, maybe, you you know, you've just been wise with money and you've saved and you've it's just that you have been a good steward. That's fine. But just remember, there is that temptation that's attached to it that then you can become indifferent to your the sense of need and indifferent to others. Also, there is the danger that goes with money of over-involvement with financial commitments. Proverbs 14.20, the poor are shunned even by their neighbors, but the rich have many friends. Is that you can get up to your ears in financial involvement and schemes to make more money, and it can diminish your passion for God hunger for him it can it can degrade your capacity for generosity because any thought of giving is an immediate threat to oh if i give that then i I can't or i can't give so be careful pleasure seeking is another potential problem proverbs 21 17 he who loves pleasure will become poor whoever loves wine and oil will never be rich Ah, warning here. Beware of spending all your money based on your desire of the moment. Now, for some of us, that may be your sin of choice. Not everybody has, you know, there are different little little things that um, interest us. It's sort of like a baby in a crib and toys at an early age. We wouldn't remember some of these probably. But there were certain little things that interested us more than others, and our parents knew what they were. Maybe you like to play with one of those things that hang down, and I don't know that they're still the rage. But one child might like something with a certain color or a certain uh, reflection in the light or whatever. It's soft. They can chew on it. I'm simply saying that to illustrate this, that everybody here tonight, you have some particular desire for something. And it can easily be then the threshold you have for temptation. What is it? And that can become the means of getting yourself in over your head. Maybe it's entertainment and luxuries. Some people have a penchant for that. Others don't. Others don't mind living with uh, less and simple things. And that doesn't mean they're necessarily more spiritual. But be careful. Cars, homes, appreciating items. We need to evaluate our purchases based on needs, wants, and desires. Sort them out. Do you know how to do that? You weren't, if wisdom comes upon you as you mature and you ask for it, you can help yourself here. Just, uh, through the years, you know, we've tried to have financial seminars. We've not had one in recent years, though we've had some classes that teach this. 
But uh, well, way back at the beginning, back in the 70s, um, we tried to have periodically, maybe every few years, some sort of special kind of financial seminar. I remember the Larry Burkett and his organization, Ron Blue. Those, we had those who worked in this all the time to come because we all need periodic uh, checkups and assessment so that we can be reminded of things that I'm just skirting by. It's important, very important. And, well, I was going to go through some of the little principles that I try to follow, but uh, that may not be any use to you. You have yours to resist. One thing that does interest me, especially this in the Christmas season, is it's amusing how we're told if you buy this, you can save money. Think about that for just a little bit. <laughs> Is that not a trick? <laughs> if you buy this product, you can save money. Now, how can I save money if I give money for that product? Now, maybe you've got a need for that product. That's granted. And maybe you can get it at a good price. That's fine. And God gave to me one way to help me in this area with regard to money and investments and or knowing the difference in needs, wants, and desires, is that I have a son who's very good at negotiating. That's his job, <laughs> and in many ways. And if I'm in a situation where I'm to purchase something and it might require a little negotiating, I'm not too good. And uh, I had to go through this not long ago in a vehicle I purchased, and it... Um, I mean, I'm immediately impressed with it, and but I wasn't sure about the price. So I got on my cell phone, and I said, Eric, where are you? I'm looking at a vehicle. I need your help. This is what they're asking. He was there, and by the time he had gotten there, he had already checked on, you know, the sites. What is it, the, the Kelly book? What is that, that the one? He had already made some ch checked on some things, and he came in and he uh, began to talk to the guy. Not and Eric is very. He's got a lot of his his mother's uh, genteel ways and kind ways, and you know he can he can get through and communicate. All right, I don't know what God's put in your life to help you with sorting out needs, wants, and desires. Um, but say, just ask the Lord. Lord, I mean, I need help with this. Because maybe I'm inclined to spend, if you're a lady and you like jewelry, maybe you're just, jewelry just really gets to you. Oh, those greens and reds and diamonds and, you know, rubies and sapphires or costume jewelry. I, I don't know. I'm just reaching out at things here. But maybe that's the area where your desires could go and you could get in over your head. All right, then I should conclude this. Oh, the last one here in this is dream chasing. Oh, yes, this does hit some of us. Dream chasing, Proverbs twenty-eight nineteen. He who works his, his land will have abundant food, but he who follows worthless pursuits will have his full of poverty. Worthless pursuits. Well, it could be, it could be gambling. Is that your weakness? Now that's not mine. 
I'm too afraid to lose money. <laughs> but I'm afraid enough of gambling to know that I could see where it could really get in your blood. Lotteries. Oh, my. It's like some of you. I purchase gas down here at the end of the road. And I watch, I'm, I watch people going in and paying money. The poor man's tax. The poor man's tax. Scratching, hoping they can win. Oh, be careful. Be careful. Dream chasing. Get rich quick schemes. I've known some who have really tanked on this one. They want money, a lot of it, and they see that pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. And the problem is they see a lot of rainbows, and they don't find that pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. And they get into investment deals. They get into they get into high-risk situations and lose money. It becomes a way of life. Well, I'll tell you this, just as, a, just as a footnote here on the lack of money, it's not all bad. Listen to what Proverbs 15, 16, 17 says. Better little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure with trouble with it. Better a dinner of herbs than where there is love than a fattened ox with hatred. So um, how much is your family worth? Would you wish to bring problems and pressures on your family because of money? There are families that are just torn every which way because mom and dad don't know how to handle money and their home life is just constant dissension. I will confess something here. I honor my parents. I love my parents, but there was not a... um, uh, without without dishonoring them, I'll just say this, that there was a lot of disputing in our, my growing in home I grew up in over money. Mom and Dad argued about money a lot. And um, I think my mother may have had a little bit of the uh, Scarlett O'Hara thing, I'll never be hungry again uh, thing. And she grew up in the Depression in a preacher's home, <laughs> double whammy. And um, she was determined that she was going to have some some things that she was had been deprived of. Dad worked for Delta Airlines, went on in 1950. Not, uh, I don't know exactly what he made, and I probably I look back on it, I I can see that there probably was a lot of stress and strain. I know there was, and but just arguing over money, arguing. All right, parents, families. Is it this way in your home? Have you brought financial situations to bear in your own family and decisions you've made where your relationships are strained? Husbands and wives. Oh, my, we need a special session on this one. Do you have two different views and sets of values with regard to money? Maybe it could be that the husband, he just he's got hobbies and maybe they're expensive hobbies. Maybe he has the prime share of the income. He earns most of the money, and therefore he may think that, therefore, he can do with it what he wants. And the wife can get an allowance at his discretion. So, oh, the list goes on and on here, and I'm just getting all kinds of episodes walking across the stage in my mind of 
I remember, I remember one situation. Uh, I went through some real premarital, detailed premarital counseling, as I, I attempted to do through the years, and finances came to be kind of one of the last sessions. I, I learned after a while that that's probably not the best thing to do, especially if you get down to two or three weeks before the wedding, and then you're just then talking about it. This was one occasion where I learned that lesson, and it was very close to the wedding, and we got down to the matter of finances, and like a long story short, it suddenly dawned on the bride-to-be that her husband uh, had some real issues with controlling, and then it began to occur to her that there were certain things that she was used to purchasing that um, these may be deleted. She could not do that anymore. Um, uh, uh, Problems, that's enough of that story. But uh, families, lack of money, how do we work together as husband and wife, so on. Number, what did I say? Number six, this is number seven. I'm just about through. All right. Seven. Money must be handled with care. Handled with care. First of all, maintain financial freedom. Proverbs eleven fifteen. He who puts up security, that's, we'd say, co-signing or a loan. He who sets a pick, uh, puts up security for another, the ESV says, for a stranger, will surely suffer harm, but whoever refuses to strike hands in pledge is safe. Proverbs 22, 7. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. Maintain financial freedom. Now, Solomon didn't know anything about credit cards and the whole credit industry, which has just exploded, you know, in my lifetime. Uh, think back on it. You know, credit cards. I mean, I was born in '41. You, the, well on up into what the '60s, you could get loans, but credit was not as easily come by uh, to come by, and so you pay for what you got. But you know, the credit card changed everything. Financially, it's kind of almost like the birth control pill was to sexual <laughs> activity. The credit card changed a lot. In some places I've read that if people who use credit cards, they're likely to spend maybe 34% more than they were would if they were just working on cash. Some while back, this is a little bit dated, but the average American pays over $1,000 a year in interest every year. Now, this is a few years back. I'm sure it's probably tripled, not quadrupled by that name. But credit cards, are credit cards an evil? No. They can be used and they can be very helpful. But I will tell you this, a credit card is one temptation away from financial disaster. And Beth and I had the occasion to use our credit card uh, in the last few months because we had, we had something. We, we, I pay the balance off every month, so don't worry about me here. I pay my balance off every month for years. But the, but it was a balance. It was a little up more than, than normal because of a special need. 
And we just got to figuring it up. I think Beth did this. She figured it up because, you know, the show's the minimal payment. What was it, dear? Was it like 15, 20 years that if you just pay 14 years, just paying that minimum payment, 14 years. Now, can you delay your gratification and not use your credit card anymore for 14 years? Probably not. And how many people get themselves into trouble up to their ears? And that commercial, it was humorous, but uh, it was, I <laughs> couldn't resist it. The guys, remember the commercial, the guys, he's out in his lawnmower working his yard and he's taking that, all that he has. He's got a car, he's got a new lawnmower, he's got the house and he's just smiling and saying, and he's got all these things. He says, and he's smiling and I'm in debt up to my ears. Ooh, <laughs> credit cards. So man, maintain financial freedom. And by freedom, I mean, what is your, what is your debt? What's your debt service? How's it look? Uh, no, you can't pay, probably can't pay cash for a house. Though it's not a bad idea, but can't, may not be able to pay cash for a car. But it's not a bad idea. Maybe you could work toward that. Uh, I will tell you that it certainly brings about a lot of wisdom, or it requires a lot of wisdom to manage and work toward financial freedom. Ask God for that, and if you're in debt up to your ears and it's bringing stress and strain, say, Lord, show us what it would be like to be out of debt. That's what I mean by financial freedom. Out of debt. And then we create a cash reserve, and, oh, then we have a discretionary fund where we can respond to needs and people and wonderful. Save. Proverbs 21.20 says, In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours all he has. The folks, planning is not anti-faith. Saving is paying yourself, and that's legitimate self-interest. No pun intended there. That is important. Learn to save. Put money aside. And I'm no expert in financial counseling. I don't want to represent myself that way. But I have had to do it because when you seek to help people with problems, money is invariably an issue. And people who are in debt, and I say, well, can you save? They say, no, we just can't do it. Could you put $5 a paycheck aside? And they think, well, it's not worth fooling with. But it's the mentality that you begin to develop. That no matter how meager your income, no matter how difficult it is, set some money aside. I'm, I'm talking to the choir. I think probably most of you understand this, that you want certainly an emergency fund so that if your transmission goes out, um, I use that because that's usually a pretty big ticket item on a car, that if your transmission goes out, then... Well, you have to borrow. That's then where the cascading effect of greater debt comes. If you're just one emergency away from some debt that's going to put you under the water, save. Do you have savings? Do you have, do you have a discretionary fund that if the refrigerator just it's shot, you know, they make appliances now that are disposable appliances. You've found that out. 
They're not like the old days, like that first, uh, that first washing, washing machine that we had. Well, sorry, it was Beth's dad bought us a little old Sears and Roebuck washing machine. I guess we must have had that thing 15, 20 years, or if not more. And uh, we have our stories. Some of us older people can tell about refrigerators and such that seem to... It was not long ago that I finally, it was about a year ago, I got rid of a refrigerator that had been our family for about 50 years. It weighed a ton. <laughs> an old Frigidaire. And, uh, but what happens when your appliances break down? What happens? Is it immediate? You have to immediately charge something. Are you ready? Save. And then thirdly, take care of your possessions. Listen to this one. This is an interesting proverb, 20, Proverbs 27. And it would have might, have might appear obscure on the surface, but when you understand the historical context, you can get it. Proverbs 27 and 24. For riches are not forever, nor does a crown endure to all generations. When the grass disappears, the new growth is seen, and the herbs of the mountains are gathered in. The lambs will be for your clothing, and the goats will bring the price of a field. And there will be goat's milk enough for your food, for the food of your household, and sustain sustenance for your maidens. Now, that in an agrarian, he's uh, not saying that you'll have plenty of feta cheese here. That's uh, bigger. Th- for us, it's a little different uh, situation. But he's saying, take care of what you have. And then that is going to put you in a place of advantage and preparation in the future. You'll be prepared for the future. And so, therefore, take care of, you're saying, flocks and herds. Take care of your investments. Take care of your automobile. Do you look out after your automobile? Do you run it to where you're putting, you're not changing the oil, uh, my children heard me say this for years, and you probably have said it too. You take care of your car, it'll take care of you. Maintenance. And you can keep something going, anything, anything that's motorized, in your house. And don't let it run down. Take care. Upkeep. There's something that has to be done on a house just about every week. Now, it doesn't mean that I do something on the house. Sometimes I, I procrastinate, and then I end up, oh, my you know, you've got the gutters that uh, they're sagging, and you, you know you're in trouble when you see an oak tree growing up out of your gutter. And so there are things that you've got to do along the way to protect your investments, machinery, equipment, house, investments, swing thing, where you put your money. If you go to the stock market, that's a legitimate way of investing, Not maybe not the best way for you, but or if it's CDs, but... Use, uh, borrow wisdom. You can't borrow character, but you can borrow brains. That's not original with me, but I've not forgotten. You can't borrow character, but you can borrow brains. And get people to help you with those investments. So the point is, take care of investments. See, stewardship is taking care of what you have. This is why parents want to drill it into their children. You start doing that. It's just as much. Bring your bicycle in. It's going to rain tonight. Put it in the garage. You're getting them ready for a 45-year, being a 45-year-old man or woman, that you're going to take care of what you have. And it brings good consequences. And then, fourthly and finally, be a giver. 
Proverbs 3.27. Do not withhold good from those who deserve it to those whom is due when it is in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbors, come back later, I'll give it tomorrow when you now have it with you. Proverbs 11.25. A generous man will prosper. He who, um, I like the ESV on this one, the one who waters will himself be watered. Proverbs 11.25 and Proverbs 22.9. Whoever has a bountiful eye will be blessed, for he shares his bread with the poor. So what God has put in your possession, say, Lord, give me a generous heart. Work on me. How can I look around and be need conscious, sensitive to others? This is one of the things that... uh, I don't know that we have a working group that deals with money, how we will as a church and families do this. But let me tell you, you get a church filled with people who handle their money wisely. According to Proverbs, you get a church that's 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 moving in that direction. And people who stay out of debt and follow these directives from Proverbs the generosity and the, 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 the potential for ministry to others is just phenomenal, where you can go and what you, what you can do. I conclude with this, that this is a quote from Ron Blue. And in the use of money, it requires actions. And faith steps are putting truth into practice. Ron Blue said it this way, We have to take action with what God has entrusted to us. And that's a demonstration of our faith. That's what faith is, not some imaginary emotional optimism. It's putting into practice what God has said to do. And that's the way we show our trust and confidence in him. All right, next week, uh, Ed Sherwood's going to lead uh, the time in the evening and then that Justin is going to take you through what Jesus said about money. Now, that's going to be a tall order. (laughs) There's a lot in the Gospels on that. Let's pray for us before we go. Lord, I'll trust you. I ask, Father, if there is perhaps some matter that's been touched upon here in some heart, some thoughts, some habits that need to be changed. Perhaps, Lord, there's some one of us here tonight who has been uh, maybe careless with um, what has been given, and there is some real serious debt. Give them the grace and the mercy to move away from that, to come out of that, and to experience financial freedom. But, Lord, for all of us, oh, give us the grace to be thankful this week for what you have given to us and use it for your glory in Christ's name. Amen.